Broadcasting from the Stolen Droids Hangout, it's the Stolen Droids Podcast. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Stolen Droids Podcast. The Stolen Droids Podcast. <laughs> I'm Zotter. I'm Zook. I'm the Zook. Wow, the your eyes got really big there, man. Well, I'm Asian, so they, they, they got to like normal person size. They they Caucasianed themselves. Yeah. You could see the whites of <laughs> I, my eyes. I could. Oh man, we should just start over right now. I mean <laughs> But we're not going to. Hey, we're brought to you by our friends over at TrekRadio.net, CryptonRadio.com, OpenBook Audio, Stitcher.com, WP Cycle Web Hosting, Radio KSCR, and Geek Factor Radio. Is that everyone? And Rogue One, but not yet, but soon. Wizarding Days. Are you just like sponsored Tourette's now? Are you just like throwing out different people? Seven <laughs> Eleven nachos at two AM. The Taco Bell Chalupa. <laughs> yes. Um yeah, we're feeling random. I'm certainly feeling random. It's I don't know what it's been. It's been a weird week. You know, I I'm getting antsy for Christmas, I think. You know, we've got a lot going on with Christmas coming up. We've got Rogue One coming out in a week. I, I or this week, I guess, technically, uh, by the time people listen to it, I'm I'm ready for some holiday festivities. And I really don't want to be doing normal life at this point. Agreed. Agreed. Normal life kind of sucks right now. Yeah, cuz I mean nobody's nobody's into it. We're all just going through the pace. Let's be honest, 2016 has kind of been a dumpster fire. I get the impression everyone wants to be over with it. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. Um, hey, we have some feedback, and it turns out we may have had more feedback that got caught in our spam filter. Paul writes us, uh, we were talking last week about the Moto 360, uh, the, the watch with the flat tire, and he says, Hi guys, I couldn't agree more with the comments made on Android Wear. For the reasons stated on the Moto 360 and the Fossil Watch, I didn't like the big black lip on the bottom. For that reason, I went with the Huawei W1 and the full 360 screen available. I sent an email last week about broadband in the UK, but it was full of spam type words. Thanks again for the podcast, Paul. And then he sent a picture of his new Huawei watch listening to our last podcast episode. It's it's pretty. It's dope. Wow, welcome to 1992. Dope, yo. For shizzle. Okay, we're starting to move into the future a little bit there. So Don't stop believing. So did you find his his feedback in the spam No, it filters? never even delivered. It never delivered to us. Interesting. I will say the picture he sent of his Huawei watch is quite handsome, but, and I don't know if this is a setting you did, Paul, or if this is just normal. It looks really bright, like burn out your eyes bright. I don't know if it's like the camera that you took the picture with, just kind of adjusting to the light difference in a funny way or what, but it's, I don't know. Maybe they're always that bright. Maybe it's just the camera. I have no clue. I don't have one. It looks cool, though. I did notice it, it seemed quite quite luminescent yeah so the huawei watch will just burn out your eyes the samsung watch will blow up on your wrist not that we've had not that we've had any reports yet but it is samsung we're talking about 
those things considered, you know, a flat tire may not be the worst thing on a, on a wearable. That is true. I mean, we had the basis peak health trackers that were literally burning people. And so, I mean, there's the wearable market has, yeah, there's, there's some danger associated. Yeah. Hey, you know what? We've been talking about that. Let's jump right into it because we actually have headlines concerning that. I didn't mean to start this way, but we're going to go with it anyway. Um, last week, was it last week or the week before we talked about uh, Fitbit buying Pebble? Uh, I think it was last week. Yeah. Uh, so everyone was really excited. Hey, Fitbit's buying Pebble. We're sitting there going, Why? Well, it turns out they bought them for their patents, for the R&D, for all that stuff. They didn't care about the customers. And in fact, there we, won't be Pebble customers anymore. Yeah, we kind of speculated that they wanted the the IP stuff, the intellectual property stuff, and the patents. And at least I think we did. I, I know that I talked about that with someone. I think it was on the show. Oh, well, we did. We talked about the e-ink displays and whatnot. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. So I'm, re- I'm remembering the right conversation. You know, when you're a geek talking tech with people, you have so many nerdy conversations, you can't remember where they were. Uh, but, yeah, it turns out that we were, we were spot on. And they're really kind of screwing over the Pebble customer, discontinuing warranties and sales and everything immediately. Yeah, they're, okay, so... This is something we didn't call because we didn't see this coming, and evidently neither did Pebble users, mainly because Pebble lied about it. When the deal went through and the acquisition was finalized, they worded it in such a way to make it sound like Pebble and Fitbit would remain separate companies. Fitbit wanted the designs, Fitbit wanted the technology, but that Pebble would remain on its own. And I guess technically that's true, but what they're not saying in that, which has come out this week, is that Pebble is now closing doors. Yes. So you have a Pebble. Awesome. Support will not fall to Fitbit. Sorry, it's not supported anymore. Oh, you need a software update? Sorry, Pebble doesn't exist anymore. Oh, you put money down on a new Pebble and haven't gotten it yet? Sorry, Pebble doesn't exist anymore. See where I'm going with this? Now, they just recently raised, what, like $12 million or something on their most recent Kickstarter, which we talked about at the time, and I said, I think that's that's dirty what they're doing, because they are not a Kickstarter company anymore, yet right. they're doing everything through Kickstarter. Which and tells most me, of those people have not gotten their watch. That's true, and, and it tells me that their marketing, comp- their marketing um, people in their company suck, because they don't know anything other than Kickstarter. Yeah. But that's for, beside for reference, the point. Before we go on, we should point out that that $12 million was raised in such a way to say, buy this watch. For for $200, you can have this watch. Yeah, that's not a Kickstarter. That's you selling the watch. But then nine months later, they still haven't delivered the watch. Exactly. And they say that they will be giving refunds to people. But ha- through Kickstarter. Yes. Which Kickstarter, if if I understand it correctly, there's no real obligation to return the money. Right. I, I That's like in the terms and conditions. So I, I don't know. I think that Pebble really kind of screwed a lot of people over in, in their it business It seems really practices. skeezy, doesn't it? Oh, very, very. Unbelievably skeezy. And it's funny because when Pebble first came onto the scene, they were like the golden child of Kickstarter. They were proof that crowdfunding works. Yes. 
we have an idea, we throw it out there to the masses, we get huge money from it, we build a product, we bring it out, everyone gets it, everyone's happy, and then they just went full-on skeevy from it. And I remember Schmitty going on and on about what a great company they must be because they did it and they did everything right. I can only imagine what he's thinking right now. And see, I think we disagreed about that on the show. If you go back and listen to the show where we were talking about Pebble's Kickstarter, I I, I didn't think that what they were doing was right. Yeah. I, I, um... I think it was pretty shady because you're exactly right. It's not a Kickstarter. It's a sale. They are... They're an established company that was selling their products via Kickstarter as opposed to eBay or Amazon. I mean, I just, I I think Pebble gets, they deserve what they have coming to them, but I feel bad for their customers because they are screwing over a lot of people right now. Really, really hard. Very hard. Um, in, also in the wearable crowd, and I'm, not really sure I'm understanding this uh, this article as much as you do, probably. But the reports are out. Um, the wearable market is starting to rebound. But only barely. Am I reading that right? Uh, is, this the, is this the one from Pocket Now? The article? Yeah. Well, it's interesting because we've talked about how smartwatches and, and everything are kind of not really a viable market at this point. Tim Cook strongly disagrees. But if you look at the sales from the last quarter, Apple has, uh, it looks like they shipped 1.1 million units uh, in the third quarter. They have a 4.9% share, and that's down from last year of 71.8% is in terms of their shipments. Now, we know that that's how it is with with Apple. The new thing comes out, people buy it, and then sales drop off, and so they come out with a new thing. It's a cycle, but they're not coming out with the next new thing. Um, the interesting thing is Sam, or excuse me, not Samsung. Samsung. Well, yeah, since I just slipped my tongue there, Samsung's annual shipment growth is up a hundred percent over last year. They've got four point five percent of the market. And they've come out with some, uh, like the Gear, what is it, the Gear 2? Is it the Gear 2? Uh, the S2 came out? came out in 2015, and the S3 is coming out, I think it's starting to ship at December 31st of this year. But the interesting thing about the Gear Fit 2 is it's a fitness tracker. You look right. at the number one wearable with 23% of the market. A full quarter, basically. Yeah, it's Fitbit. And so people are buying the wearables but they're buying them for the health tracking. And if you look, it it, it appears that health tracking wearables are about 85% of the market right now. I mean, Garmin has just under 6% with theirs. I mean, it, it's all health tracker. People don't want to buy a, a wearable so that they can play Candy Crush on it. They want it for, you know, the pedometer or whatever the case may be. So I th- I think that that's interesting that you know Apple doesn't look like they're doing really well in this market. Again, they disagree, but the fitness the fitness aspect of it is really, really kind of getting a solid foothold and just running away with everything. Which is funny because fitness is actually where the wearable tech first started. Yes. Just the if you're going real old school, we're talking just connected pedometers. Yeah. 
Well, even even before it was all connected, a pedometer was. I mean, you go buy a four dollar pedometer at Walmart and clip it on your belt and you walk. Imagine. Do you remember how uncool you were if you had one? Though you compare that to like an Apple Watch. Oh yeah, it's like the antithesis of it. Fancy word, right yeah, there. Yeah, for sure. I need to go Google that. I think it means opposite. Antithesis. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I'm not doing that. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's jump back into things uh, in order. I think that was our only wearable, our last one. We may yeah. come across another one. So here's an interesting one, kind of talking about politics in a way. So Trump tends to use Twitter. Newsflash, I know. Um I don't think he's probably he's probably not going to have any press conferences from the entire for the entirety of his presidency. Nothing from the West Wing. It's all going to be from Twitter. But there's a certain rule on Twitter that you can't call out people individually in real life. It's really that's I mean I see people calling people out all the time. Yeah. It, okay. So here's the actual um, abusive incitement clause in their EULA. Okay. If a primary purpose of the reported account is to harass or send abusive messages to others, if the reported behavior is one-sided or includes threats, if the reported account is enticing others to harass another account, and if the reported account is sending harassing messages to an account from multiple accounts, then Twitter takes action. Well, okay, so if you follow politics, if you follow the news, you know of Carrier, the air conditioning company in Indiana, who was going to ship out a whole bunch of jobs to their plant in Mexico. Trump said, hey, look at this. I'm so great. I saved like 1,100 jobs from being sent overseas. And the union boss who was there basically said, no, that's a lie. And he posted that that's a lie. He only shipped out, he only saved 800 jobs, 300 of which were never going to be shipped off anyway. Well, okay, so President-elect Trump then called out this person on Twitter, didn't tag the guy's account, just gave his full name. Gave his full name saying, this person's a bad man. And it has led to this union boss getting death threats, getting harassed in real life, online. We can see where this is going. The reason why this is different than previous ones is, and where, where they're still in a really, really murky area here, is that you have someone in a position of power using Twitter to call out a person's real name in real life, potentially inciting others to action against him. So it's a violation of Twitter's rules, basically. Right. Now, it could be argued, and this is a BuzzFeed article, they do bring up, as a union leader who has spoken to the media, it could be argued that he is now a public persona, and he waives any of those rights. And see, I would I would think that would be the case, because, I mean, he's president of the United Steelworkers. I mean, right. He's, he's somebody who is known... At least in certain circles. I'm not a I'm not a steel worker. I have no clue who this guy is. But there are individuals out there who do know who he is and who are familiar with him. So he he I would say he is a public figure. It's 
What does it mean, though, if our president-elect and then-president gets banned on Twitter for violating the EULA? I mean, let, let's say that Trump calls out you, Zoner. Would you consider yourself a public figure? You know, I don't, but then, but, we, but then when we go to places like Comic-Con and, and you know, I don't know, Weird Al concerts, because that's how it's happened there, and people know who I am, it's kind of, I, I think we live in a gray area there. Right, but, and this is the problem, and not even with Trump. I won't even say this is a problem with Trump. This is a problem with Twitter, is the fact that Twitter only seems to ever exist in gray areas. They you know, they though, very rarely enforce their own quote-unquote rules, and they seem to find sidesteps around all of them. Yes. You know, and that's that's the thing I like about the internet, though, is there's it's it's all gray. There's so much gray out there. It's uh, I've said it before. It's like the Wild West. You can pretty much do what you want if you know what you're doing and get away with it. And on Twitter... You can be a complete idiot. You can be a complete jerk. You can be, you know, whatever. And you've got a voice. And Twitter does silence some of those voices. But they generally have to meet certain criteria. And, and Larry Correa can talk about that. Um, but, you know, they're very one-sided in, in their enforcement of their rules. And I've actually noticed that because of that, I use Twitter a lot less than I used to. Yeah, I don't use Twitter at all. The only reason I even have Twitter is to link it to our Stolen Droids one. Yeah, and so I can tag you asking people if they noticed you had a stroke. I didn't, by the way. <laughs> but I now permanently smell fudge. Mm, that's not a bad thing. Let's talk about state hacking, shall we? And by state, I don't mean like the United States, even though the name of this place is Georgia. <laughs> yeah, this is Georgia in the U.S., not Georgia over in the former Soviet Union, Georgia. So uh, the, their secretary of state came out basically calling Department of Homeland Security out for trying to breach their firewall and... He issued a letter to the Homeland Security Secretary asking for an explanation. Now, I think he was really nice about this. Apparently, the attempt took place on the 15th of November, right after the presidential election. And he said in his letter, he said, quote, At no time has my office agreed to or permitted DHS to conduct penetration testing or security scans of our network. That's a, That's really... a really nice way. That's saying, a brilliant way. Yeah, I mean, that is a really nice way of saying, no, we did not let them try and hack us. Yeah, what he's saying without saying is, you tried to get into our network, you weren't allowed, you weren't authorized, you had no reason to. But by hiding it behind the guise of penetration testing, which is a real thing that companies, corporations, and states do, you know, to... to maintain uh, compliance, security audit compliance, you actually have to run tests against your firewall. Someone has to try and do penetration scans on your network and do it regularly. But when he sees that the person trying to do it is from the Department of Homeland Security, 
This is the most diplomatic answer I've ever seen, and it's effective because he broadcasts such a nice response to everyone. So now everyone knows that this has happened. Yes, yes. And apparently what happened is Georgia was one of two states that refused uh, cyber hygiene support and penetration testing from DHS leading up to the election. They said, no, we've got a third party that does it. Uh, We're good. And it's funny because I was reading on Reddit, someone was saying, oh, well, you know, obviously they had every right to do this because look, you know, their their third party didn't do such a good job. And somebody kindly pointed out, actually, yeah, they did because they stopped the hack and they were aware that it was taking place. So this third party did a bang up job trying to trying to do what they do. Not to mention, and this is going off the script here a little bit. I'm interested in your take on this, but I don't want to spend, we could spend a few episodes talking about this, but President Obama is now ordering a probe, an investigation into alleged, I have to use the term alleged, even though I think we're all pretty much on the same page here, Russia hacking and involvement in our most recent presidential elections. Now, let's say that they did, 100% did. I don't think the Department of Homeland Security is one for, to criticize Georgia. <laughs> no, because, you're, you're because exactly if Russia right. did get in, then guess what? They got in through the DHS. Yeah. Watch, Georgia was the one state they couldn't penetrate. <laughs> uh, or maybe they got in through Hillary Clinton's email server. <laughs> I doubt that. I and I don't doubt that because I vote Democrat. I doubt that because. I know servers, and I know what it can and can't actually be connected to. I know. Uh, I'm being facetious. Let's but. let's go back. Let's go back about eight months when I think it was eight months when Hillary's email server was first starting to come out, and I said something then, and I'll say it again now. When the Secretary of State's email server is in her bathroom on old hardware, and yet isn't hacked. Unlike the White House's email servers and the, and the State Department's federal email servers, which were compromised, can you really blame one side or the other there? Maybe the DHS should stop trying to hack other states and maybe plug some of its own holes. Now, I said that eight months ago. Things have come out since then, so obviously it's not still the most accurate, but it's not wrong either. No, it's not. For the record, before we get any feedback on it, um, I'm going to say that the CIA is going to come out and say that, yes, Russia was involved in um, altering or influencing, at the very least, the U.S. presidential elections. That report is going to go before a Republican-controlled House and Senate um, and a Republican-controlled judiciary branch and executive branch and we're going to look at four years of hearings that are going to make Benghazi look like nothing while the CIA says yes it happened and every other branch of the government says no it didn't shut up yeah I I think you're exactly right on that I don't see it going anywhere it's an opportunity for politicians to grandstand and I think it's also an opportunity for Certain individuals, uh, whether they be politicians or private sector people, uh, to question the legitimacy of this election and really kind of use it to undermine the results. Now, 
I mean, you and I have talked about it both on the air and off. We don't like the results of the election, but we weren't going to like the results of the election regardless. And yet we accept it and we deal with it and we move on because that's what we do. Uh, I didn't see either of us running. And I think that's true. I know better than that, though. Um, But I think, you know, we're going to see a lot of people really try and use this to undermine the current government. Which I don't think they're going to need help. Um, (laughs) Let's move on, please. Yes. How about Samsung? They're a well we can always go back to. You know, they have been... Remember a few years ago with Sony, how... Like every week, it was something new with Sony. And oh, you mean when we first started this show? Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. We just, we talked about Sony every week until episode like ninety four. It, it was crazy for for years. It seemed like we talked. That was like our one staple between Sony and BlackBerry. I mean, that's why we're still here. <laughs> and now Samsung is kind of slipped in and is filling that role because. You know, BlackBerry is really not doing anything, and Sony hasn't had a major breach lately, so... I don't um, think Sony's had anything worth breaching. Yeah. Uh, shots fired. Ooh, um, okay, boom. so... Some people didn't turn their Note 7s back in and have started taking them apart. And these aren't just, like, Joe Schmoes. These are actual investigators. Investigators not hired by Samsung. Yes, and it turns out they may have, uh, Reed, probably found the culprit into the exploding and burning Note 7s. And it actually would explain the S7 and, what is it, the J3 or J5 or whatever it was. Yeah. That also had this problem. See, Samsung was under a great amount of pressure to produce as much battery power to keep the phone going as long as possible while still keeping it just as thin as humanly possible. And in doing so, they probably violated a few rules of thermodynamics. Like, the more you use something, the more it heats up, and the more it heats up, the more it expands. Yeah, that just kind of happens. You know, physics. Most phones have a bit of crush space inside the phone. If it's a phone where the battery can be removed, you'll note if you take apart your phone right now and look at the door, the battery door on the inside, there's little ridges. Uh, They're there for stiffening the panel, but also to provide a bit of crush space so the battery can swell slightly or so you can hit the back of the phone and you're not immediately hitting the battery. That's very important because batteries do heat up. They do swell. They swell as they age. They swell as they get warm. They swell if there's any kind of uh, physical impact. Well, Samsung provided no such space in the Note 7, it turns out. And the space was so cramped as it was that all it took was a slight knock and the negative and positive plates inside the battery made contact. Boom. Battery explosion. That's all it takes. Don't believe me? Take a wrench, cross the terminals on your car battery. I'm just joking. Don't do that. But you get the idea. <laughs> I, I just imagine like a thousand people right now run out and pop the hood in their car with a... You are far too generous with our listener numbers. All three of our listeners are way too smart to do that. <laughs> and we know. We, we never hear from, from Paul again. It's like, what, ha- what happened to Ruff? Where'd Ruff go? He blew Paul himself had so up much, in his garage. Paul had so much to live for. He just got a new watch. 
<laughs> but yeah, I mean, they they say that it should have had at least a half a millimeter ceiling space, which is about ten percent of the overall thickness, and it had nothing. And I I love this quote. It breaks such a basic rule. It must have been intentional. They shipped a dangerous product. Samsung knew what they were doing. They were trying to get an edge in the market by having a thin phone with a lot of battery power. And it's like, look, I can make a lightweight car, too. We just take half the steel out of the body and we're fine. Oh, yeah. What do you need brakes for? Boom. Incredible gas savings. But, well, yeah, but... <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're saying now that this is going to cost Samsung upwards of $20 billion. That's billion with a B. The thing is... The thing that kills me most about that is the fact that if they did know this, then that stupid patch that only allows you to charge the battery to 60% is worthless because the, totally. f- the physical form of the battery is that way no matter how much charge there is. Yeah. All you're doing by limiting the maximum amount of charge of the battery is ma- minimizing the amount of explosion. It doesn't prevent the explosion. It just means instead of burning your face off, it simply smolders and melts the screen. That's all you've done. They didn't fix anything. And even worse now, they're pushing an update that will disable all Note 7 still out in the field from ever charging again. At this point, does it really matter, though? I mean does and here's why there's a way they could have fixed this if they had simply allowed retailers or service centers or wherever to take in a note 7 pop it open and for the record if anyone didn't already know it's not easy to do that it's waterproof everything else it's not a user changeable battery but i have to imagine a service center could do it replace the factory battery with one that has less capacity one where the plates aren't so tightly stacked yeah basically a smaller battery yeah sure it sucks you can't last as long but you get to keep your phone yeah but when when I say does it matter, I'm talking about does it matter to disable it at this point? Because haven't all the phones either, or at least the majority of phones, either been A, returned to Samsung, B, torn apart to try and diagnose what was causing the problem, or C, just straight up exploded? I, I want to wait for the inevitable news report. And I say inevitable because you know this is going to happen. Someone's going to come out and say, oh, yeah, I have a Note 7 still. And even though I'd heard those news reports and everything, mine was still working fine. But now it doesn't charge and it's dead and I can't use it anymore. What should I do? And the phone retailer saying, well, sorry, we can't return a dead phone that won't charge. You're stuck with it now. Just wait. I know this will happen. You're not wrong. <laughs> you I I think you're right on that. I take it back. Because you know you know there's some kiosk at the mall with a sixteen year old working there going, Oh, I don't think we can return it. It's obviously faulty because you've voided your warranty. Yeah. Why is this exploding? They it came had a, from the factory that way. They had an S six blow up on an airplane this week. Did you hear that? I did not. Yeah, I think it was a 
flight they were over the Atlantic I believe and yeah the Galaxy S6 uh, caught on fire they were able to extinguish it and stuff so it wasn't a, a problem on the flight but and, and then they stuck it in a bucket of ice for the remainder of the flight good call but, but yeah an, an S6 actually actually caught fire on a plane this week but there's <sighs> nothing to worry about Samsung get your batteries in order for all the crap we give Apple, you've never heard of an iPhone battery exploding. You've heard of them losing uh, antenna signal and uh, audio and touch capacity and fingerprint recognition and camera working and screens with yellow lines and everything else, but you've never heard of one exploding. I, For some reason, I want to say we've we have. Dang it. Well, you Google search that while I move on to our next okay, headline. Okay, you do that. Or I'll, I'll do that. Yeah, okay, so the iPhone 6S issue. So there's the touch disease, right, which we already talked about. There's another one where it simply started having errors and would shut down and wouldn't start back up again. You won't believe what Apple is saying is the culprit. Error. Error is so dangerous. Literally, air. So, um, according to Apple, during the manufacturing process of the battery, too much controlled ambient air was allowed to exposure to the battery components. And in doing so, it introduced a fault into the batteries that forced the phone to shut down. And basically bricked it. This is another Pocket Now article. And I think they say it better than I could. They say, quote, That sure sounds unusual. So much so, in fact, that we believe it may well check out. It's simply too weird to be fabricated. (laughs) Nice. Now, yeah, those batteries are very much controlled. They should only be exposed for a certain amount of time. They should be sealed in a certain environment. It's kind of like back in the day when Intel's manufacturing process was so incredibly clean, and but still so new that even a slight piece of dust in the manufacturing process could completely screw up an entire batch of chips. So, I guess... Good job on that. Well done. They should be proud. Now, I I don't know where to go with this. I I did a I did a Google search real quick on um, I just searched for exploding iPhone, and I was I'm fairly certain that we've talked about something, but it looks like all of the stories of exploding iPhones are from within the last week. Um, exploding sales no they're like literally blowing up now and not sales wise um, yeah I guess some it looks like some Chinese people um, iPhone 6 users uh, their phones are not just shutting down unexpectedly but also allegedly exploding as of December 2nd there have been 8 reportedly I reported iPhones which exploded between September 1st to November 30th. And it looks like they're all Chinese. So, 
Yeah, I I don't know. But Apple says that reported thermal events are now subject to company investigation, so they will be looking into them. I think they uh, they definitely do not want to take the same course as Samsung. No, they they really don't. Could you imagine what that would what that would be like for Apple? Because I mean, they already get enough crap because they dropped the the headphone jack, which you know Samsung is doing allegedly on the on the S eight. But you know, with the the Apple Maps issues and the antenna that you mentioned earlier. If they started having phones blowing up, I think I think that would be a pretty serious issue for them. Mm-hmm. More so than it has been for Samsung. Um, let's talk about something I'm especially excited for. Cortana. Yeah, this is an interesting one. I am so, so happy about this. And so, so worried. Okay, so... <laughs> My big problem with Siri, with Google Home, with Google Now, sorry, Google Home. Yeah, it is Google Home, the uh, Google Hub, Alexa, all of them. They seem to be intended for one person. Yes, they do. That's an overgeneralization. You can, of course, use it with multiple people, but at the same time, you can't. Google seems to be the worst at this because it ties obviously into one particular account. But if you have a family living in your home, like many people with families do, um, then everyone's trying to use this system and it's not linking to everyone's calendar. Well, Microsoft is working on a home hub, but it's not hardware, it's software. It would run a specialized version of Windows 10. You could install it on any computer. You could, arguably, install it on every computer. And it would use Microsoft Hello to recognize who it is it's talking to it and change things to suit them. Yes. Now, if you're not familiar with Windows Hello or Microsoft Hello, I, I don't blame you. We haven't talked about it much here. I've yet to get it working on my computer because it takes a special kind of webcam that's only made by Intel, and it's not cheap. Uh, certain laptops have it built in, but they're very hard to find. The Connect has it. Again, not everyone has it on their PC. But you sit down. It looks at you. It knows it's you, and it logs you in. It recognizes you by face. You can't fool it with a photo because it does a 3D sensor mapping. It actually knows the depth of your face and where different things are. It's really, really impressive, and it's always on, right? Your computer recognizes you. So the idea here is, is that let's say this works as intended. It's Microsoft, so it probably won't, but let's go with it anyway. <laughs> you, you're sitting there at the TV and you say, Hey, Microsoft home. When's my favorite show going to be on? And it looks at you and it knows, Oh, you're Zoner. I know that your favorite show is dancing with the stars. It'll be on in a couple hours. Would you like me to record this? Yeah. If you could record that, then it records it to your Xbox one. Cause remember it can do that. Actually, what it would say is Jericho was canceled years ago by CBS unceremoniously. We understand that you sent over 50,000 pounds of peanuts in protest, but yeah, CBS says screw you. 
Knowing Cortana, she'd say that too. Yes, probably. But then Zahner's wife, Mrs. Zahner, could sit down and say, what's my schedule like tomorrow? It would look at her and say, I know that she's the one who asked that question. I know that that's Mrs. Zahner and pull up her schedule. Yeah, I, that's that's pretty cool tech. It's amazing tech. And if they could make it work, it becomes what I was talking about a few weeks ago with um, the Apple airport going away. The Siri gateway. Remember that idea I floated? Uh-huh. That's what th- this is. Did they did they hear our episode and lift your idea, or do you think they've been working on this? <laughs> I think they're working on it, especially because it's supposed to be arriving in 2017 across multiple updates. Yeah, like, it gave me... I was thinking, from one of the articles that I read about this, we're going to probably start seeing it in first quarter of 2017. Yeah. Now, Cortana will also be able to then integrate with your smart home which is something I've been waiting for, like, forever. Yeah. So you could say, hey, what was my power usage last month? Hey, is the front door locked? Can you turn on the lights out in the backyard? That would be nice. Can you notify me when my kids get home from school? I like that idea. You know, you put a the, the arrival sensor on your kid's backpack. As soon as the kids get within range of the house, Cortana sends you a notification. Yeah, that's a good idea. I'm just saying, the future is here. Now, my worry is is that in um, Halo 5, Cortana's the bad guy who takes over everything and becomes rampant and tries to kill off humanity. I'm a little bit worried about naming my uh, the house control system after her. That just seems like an R.L. Stein slash Stephen King thing waiting to happen. Probably. Yeah. Probably. It's, it's like Hal. Hal is just going to, you know, Cortana is going to destroy us. Uh, in other Microsoft news, they have acquired LinkedIn, which is not really a surprise. We knew they were looking at it. Yeah. Well, we talked about that they were going to buy it, but it's now official and they've told us what they're going to do. Yeah. They're going to pay $26 billion is what they're going to do. Yeah, that's a lot of money. You know what my uh, my first in- inkling was that they were going to do this? Outlook 2013 had a built-in plugin that you could link it to social media. Yes. But the only social media you could link it to right then was LinkedIn. Yes. Well, and that made sense, too, because you're using Office products in the office. You use LinkedIn in the office. It's a corporate thing as opposed to a, a, a personal, you know. I, although there are people, I, I'm noticing more and more people sharing just trash on LinkedIn. They think it's Facebook now. I don't know. I wonder if Microsoft thinks it's Facebook. Ooh, I <laughs> like, like, do they think that this is, ooh, look, we have a social network now. No. No, you don't. This no, is you don't. this is Facebook for the business professional. No, it's not. <laughs> that would be Facebook. Now, what they are planning on doing is integrating it more with Office 365. Uh, so LinkedIn Lookup will correspond with Office 365, and Office 365 can also correspond with your on-site Active Directory. So those can all be linked, which is great until you leave the company that your Active Directory login is through. Yeah. 
I, so I'm, I'm not real sure about that. Um, what it does mean is that if your company doesn't have profile pictures for everyone in Active Directory, mine does, I'm very particular about that, it means that it will pull your LinkedIn profile picture instead. And it'll make that standard across everyone. And I've already seen this in effect. Okay, let's say that I didn't have a corporate photo in Active Directory that my Office 365 installation pulled from. Instead, it would send out my LinkedIn profile. Now, Zoner's not part of my company. He doesn't even use Office 365, but he does use Outlook. He receives an email from me. The email comes across, and it's in Outlook. And even though he doesn't use Office 365, my picture is up there in the corner. This is already a feature. It has been for like three years. Yeah. Which, by the way, should be a good reminder to everyone to have a nice professional photo on LinkedIn because I've received a lot of emails from people who don't. I've seen some horrible photos on LinkedIn. Oh, my goodness. That was awful. Maybe they really do think it's Facebook now. I think they do. It's like Facebook Pro. Um, let's, let's go into Facebook, shall we? Facebook is a scum of our society. If you want a really interesting watch, um, you know, I, I've mentioned this show before, but Adam ruins everything. They had a recent episode, Adam ruins the internet where they talk directly about Facebook and Google and how they control thought, control viewing habits, control everything. And you are the, uh, consumable. You are the product which we've been talking about for like four years on this show. At least. So, just saying. Well, Facebook is asking for our help in identifying fake news because fake news is the subject du jour with uh, social media and progressive liberals and everything else. And yes, I know I am one, but I've been warning everyone about fake news legitimately for years against the actual news sites. And now all the news sites seem to be acting like they've, never been in on the problem when they were and <laughs> they are they are the cause of the problem you know i was thinking the other day you, the way that the media is so one-sided and they protect their guy and then the way that government and politicians protect their guys it just leads to conspiracy theories which then fosters this whole fake news well, and the thing that people don't seem to understand is, is where Facebook is involved, Facebook is also protecting their guy. The only problem is their guy is their shareholders. Yeah. And they protect their guy by getting you to click on things. Click on everything you can. Share everything you can. If you're not sharing things, if you're not posting things, you're not creating content. If you're not creating content, you're not making the money. Oh, look, Zoner, we noticed you haven't created any content for a while. Hey, remember this thing you shared three years ago? Isn't it fun? Wouldn't you like to share that again now? Quote, unquote, create content. Here's a video we made of your stuff. Share it for us. They actually, create more content. They actually... Um like blocked my daughter's account a couple years ago because she hadn't been doing anything with it. She used it for certain things, but it wasn't being used the way they thought it should be used. Right. And so they're like, oh, this must be a fake account. She's not using it the way we see fit. So they shut her down. And she, so, yeah, it's, it's crazy. 
So now Facebook is asking for everyone else's help in identifying fake news with misleading headlines. And it's like, dude, Facebook, have you ever been on your own site? You don't need our help. <laughs> Just go through it. I mean, it's like 90% of the stuff has mis misleading headlines. And I hate the fact that even the legitimate news sites, like our local news stations, will post links to their stories. And it's all clickbait. Right. And it, the, the, the worst thing about this is that the way they're doing it is so subjective. Um, it'll have a article, right? And it'll have the leader and the headline and a little thumbnail for it. And underneath it will have a quick survey. How accurate did you think this was? Well, here's the problem. It's subjective. Totally and subjective. You could say, well, sure, but isn't most news, uh, isn't most survey, most opinion subjective? Well, yeah, except for the fact that people famously choose their own facts on Facebook. You could say that this, the headline says, scientists confirm sky is blue because of solar refraction. Right? Guess what? That's scientific fact. But is it? There's going to be that one truther on there who's going to say, nope, totally false. It's exactly. just the government agenda trying to shove the round earth theory in our face. Everyone knows the sky's blue because God made it that way. You know, and he's going to select that it's totally misleading. So this doesn't solve anything. They're going to be the guy like me that throws out the word allegedly. Just in the comments. That's all they post is allegedly. And yeah, it, you're exactly right. It is all subjective. It is. I mean, you've got people posting, you know, images of dinosaurs from 65 million years ago this week. Oh, look, we found a dinosaur tail. It's got feathers. It's like dinosaurs didn't exist. This is there is no way that this is going to end well. Yeah. The, the problem. OK, so it's been a bad election year. We can all agree on that. And the Electoral College has come up a lot in discussion, mainly because of the results of the election. But the truth is, is that the Electoral College exists because the founding fathers did not trust true democratization of the people, because they didn't feel that the people could be relied on to be well-informed enough to make a correct vote. And Facebook is a perfect example of that. It really is. You could put out two different theories and both of them be accurate and both of them be valid, but be slightly different in the details. One theory says um, climate change is happening because we are putting out more carbon dioxide gas. And another one saying that... Um, Global warming is happening because of an increase in the human population, right? They're technically both the same theory. They're both the same, right? There's just slight details are slightly different. And there's going to be that group of people who say, uh-uh, it's happening because we killed off the dinosaurs and they're the ones keeping CO2 emissions down. You don't want, at Facebook, you don't want those people filling out your survey. You don't. You don't, you know, I, I look at Facebook as a platform that's full of the lowest common denominator. Do you really want them determining what is and is not reality? Mm hmm. It's, uh, they, you know, it's really they do it enough me. in our everyday life. Do we really need them doing it more? 
funny, funny thing to me, this is just a little observation, the lowest common denominator that I've noticed on my feed are all people of the older generation who says it's us who ruin everything. Every older generation says that. We say that about the millennials. You yeah. know? Um, we're running out of time, but there is one interesting thing I wanted to bring up here. We have a lot of other uh, headlines we think you should click on and we should, think you should read up, but there's one in particular that's really interesting, and it's the Amazon Go Store. This is witchcraft, plain and simple. Well, they've been talking about this idea for a long time, and it looks like they've finally come out with it. It's a storefront. You walk in. You tap your phone or your bracelet or your card or whatever, and it logs you in to your Amazon account when you enter the store. You then just go through the store, pick up the things you want, and then leave the store, and it automatically charges your account. It knows what you took. It knows how long you were there, all this stuff. On one hand, it's kind of the future. Again, we've been talking about this idea for forever. Yes. Not to go all 1984 on you, but you do realize how much they are now tracking you to make all this possible, right? Well, you know, and along those the lines of that, I heard a lot of people saying when this was announced. If you watch the video, it's amazing. If you haven't seen it yet, definitely check it out because it is fascinating how they're doing this. But a lot of people are saying, well, you know, this is a complete violation of your privacy. And I stopped and I thought, but is it really? Is it any different than what we already do? You go into Walmart or Target, you've got cameras on you watching your every move. They know what you're doing. You go into a Kroger, you use your membership card to get your discount. They know everything that you buy. They know how frequently you're shopping in the store. You go to Amazon.com, they know everything you look at, they know everything you buy, they know where you live. I mean, they know this information is all already out there. I don't see this as being that that big of a change from what we already do, other than the fact that it's very tech heavy. It's very it's much more approachable to marketers. They don't have to jump through as many hoops right now. If they wanted to get this information, they'd have to say, ah, Zoner used his visa at this store at this time on this transaction number cross-reference it with the store's database to say ah this transaction number pulled up these items yes there's a lot more hoops and many of those hoops are illegal to get for a lot of marketers this suddenly makes it very easy for them does it though are they going to have access to all that oh i imagine amazon would be happy to sell that most of it And lest we forget, Amazon is itself a retailer. Yes, they are. Even if they don't sell it to another retailer, they're still using it. Yeah. Now, currently, this store idea is only available to Amazon employees. Um, You can sign up for notifications to see when it comes out to everyone else. I'm going to make a prediction right now and say it will not ever come out to everyone else. But instead, there will be elements of it that get sold to certain shopping chains, and we will never, ever hear about it. Certain parts of the tracking will become standard in different markets throughout the country, and we'll take it for granted that, oh, hey, the new self-checkout lane is a lot faster now, and we won't know it, but it'll be this technology. Yeah. 
I, I will say I hate self checkout lanes. I think I just gave Zoner a headache. I you you lost me at self checkout lanes. I hate those things with a passion. But I will say there's no checkout here. You pick up what you want and you walk out the door, which I think is cool. And how do you shoplift? Is it even possible to shoplift from this store? Don't sign in when you walk in. But you know that it's going to be like a, a subway or something where you have to go through. But it's okay. They got your retinal scan on file. Most likely they do. <laughs> All right. Into our favorites this week. Mine is one I never thought I'd be so happy to see. Spider-Man Homecoming. We posted this on our Facebook. Well, Zoner did. Um, and chances are good that if you've heard of this thing called the Internet, you've seen this. But... It's the first trailer for Spider-Man Homecoming, Marvel's first attempt at a Spider-Man movie. It takes it picks up uh, after Captain America Civil War, and I am so utterly giddy for this because it seems like such a wonderful, welcome, wanted spin, if you pardon the pun, on Spider-Man. It's a teenager movie. It's not some cosmic adventure with a floating purple guy and a whole bunch of side quest stories that you'd only know if you were a hardcore comic geek. It is a teenager story, which is what Peter Parker is. Um, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man was only good in the first one as long as he was in school. Once he left school, it was boring. The Incredible Spider-Man, we won't talk about that. That <laughs> They never happened. It never, ever happened. We all just had a collective stroke, okay? Um, this one looks like just that awkward teenager trying to find his way in the world. Oh, by the way, he happens to have superpowers. And if this, if they do it right, we will not be treated to another origin story. It seems like he picks up immediately after Civil War. So he has the suit, everything. I actually got the impression that it takes place during Civil War, both before and after. That that hmm. was kind of the impression I got because it shows in the trailer he's swinging around Giant Man's legs. So that's Ant-Man when he gets big, for those of you who don't know. I'll just say I'm excited. Oh, it looks amazing. And I'm going to disagree with you. I think Spider-Man 1 and 2 for their time, were great films. They were great Spider-Man movies. Spider-Man 3 and the Andrew Garfield ones, yeah, they're just not. But uh, especially Spider-Man 2. Uh, my favorite, though, is another movie, uh, full-on movie, in fact, the Star Wars Holiday Special. It is up on YouTube. Somebody put it out there. If you have never seen this, you owe it to yourself to watch it. If you have seen it, then you know what this is all about but this is the this is the star wars thing that george lucas does not want anybody to see so you need to watch this just because it will piss him off i put this on the main tv at work last year on christmas or, or on the christmas holiday and i had more than half the office freaking out wondering what the crap i had subjected them to yeah it's, it's like a, it's like a star wars themed costume party slash acid trip that yeah that's a good that's a good explanation there Good explanation. Um, however, fun trivia. If you're a hardcore Star Wars nerd, this is the very first appearance of Boba Fett. Yes, it is. And in cartoon form. And that is the highlight of the show. That is the best thing about it. 
Mm-hmm. It's awesome. All right. Well, that is our show this week. Again, we have some more show notes we didn't get to, more headlines. It's been a busy few weeks, actually. It has. Either that or we've gotten worse at this job. Uh, let us know what you're thinking. Feedback at StolenDroids.com or give us a call 801-917-GEEK. Follow us on Twitter. Um, friend us on Facebook, both of which are platforms we wish we could leave. And until next time, cheers. Good day. This has been a Stolen Droids Media Productions.